Hi, and welcome to episode 201 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have one of my colleagues, Karen Benitez, joining us. Karen is the founder and designer of Chevy Chase Pediatric Dentistry in Chevy Chase, Maryland. She is originally from St. Louis, graduated from the University of Missouri in 2002 and the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Dentistry in 2006. She ran off for an adventure in NYC and completed her residency in pediatric dentistry at St. Barnabas Hospital in 2009. In 2010, she moved to Washington, D.C. And since then, she has fallen into the airway space. So join us to learn all about what she has to share regarding pediatric dentistry, airway, what she's doing in her practice and her son's journey. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Erin, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to chat today. <laughs> Likewise, Hallie. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I always like to ask everybody, you know, when you're in the airway space and maybe you haven't always been, what was the catalyst? Like, you, is there something personal? Is it patient caseload? What was your journey into this airway focused space? I would say both. Um, but, you know, I see more patients than I had children, right? So I would say some of it was just um, this realization as I was doing more and more toddler screenings, I'm starting to understand, like, I'm seeing a, a generalized phenotype or a postural presentation of similarity across the board. And um, I'll delve in later about my son, but um, I'm starting to notice a lot of um, open mouth resting posture in babies with, like, cute little tongue protrusion, which at first you think is just so charming until you see it time after time, um, the allergic shiner presentation on these children, which um, should not be exhausted, right? You know, there is a certain amount of drooling that we might see with the anticipation of emerging primary teeth, but not to that extent. So I started to um, look more into this. And in fact, I did that study club with yourself and Jennifer Tippergraph. Um, but that was a time in my life in which I was far too busy. I had two children, one on the way. Um, I believe Jennifer was expecting at the time. And I was commuting a very, very long distance. So it was just not um, the time for me to pursue further. But it was a great starting ground of knowledge. And it it gave me direction. Like from here, who else is tied into these um, airway-centric focuses? And what's my role in it? Or what should I be identifying? And so um, I learned a lot. And then I was starting my practice. At that time, my son, he got an ill as do most children in the winter. But then I noticed, oh my gosh, my child cannot breathe. Um, I worked part-time. I had this blessing of being with them. But, you know, sometimes there are different nap intervals. I put them in the car, run here and there asleep. And it took all these muscle groups to get him to breathe in his car seat and I just like put on the brakes start recording him and at that time I was looking to open adjacent to an ENT practice so 
I took my recordings to um, that provider and luckily enough, she rendered um, tonsil surgery, new boy thereafter. Um, so it gave me a lot of relief, but then it helped me to speculate what else am I missing in these children and who else is like me as a parent. Um, and from there, I just feel that um, unfortunately COVID took on. Uh, you have to find your silver linings in life. And the silver lining was um, vast plethora of virtual courses available. And um, with that, I started to study and study and study. Maybe some of that also helped to alleviate um, the nervousness of what life you are living. Um, it was dubious. We had no end goal, no end sight. So I'm um, studying and committing myself to the children, the resurrection of my practice. And um, these courses that were now available to me, then I felt like this is the time. It's the time to learn um, what I'm observing and understand uh, what I can do to help these families. That's incredible. And I think that a lot of us, thankfully, have found those silver linings in, in those, you know, in those years. It's actually like right when I launched my course, not knowing what was coming <laughs> March 16, 2020. And I, I remember sitting there being like, do I do this? Yes, doing that. And I'm so glad I did. Like you said, people were home and we had no idea like what was right. next. Um, but I think that's incredible. So if you don't mind me asking, like what what happened next to your son? What, you know? Um, well, his was a big solution in that. Um, but I did start to really focus in on his sleep. And so I started to notice, um, yeah, I'm hearing snoring. Um, yeah, actually, he does sleep with his, his mouth open. Um, and at the time, I was actually working with a hygienist who's also on board with these airway-centric things. Um, and she's now practicing myofunctional therapy. Um, and it was really nice to kind of have um, a tit-for-tat conversation about things like that because I was living it in my life. And then I was looking to see who is going to put me in the right place for this. Um, I took courses with Dr. Zaghi of the Breathe Institute, and that was about sleep disorder breathing. Um, from there, I did the Tufts Pediatric um, Sleep Mini Residency, and that really helped. I have a colleague who graduated the year after me in pediatric dentistry, um, Kay Bracey. She practices in upstate New York. Um, brilliant woman. And so she and I really started jiving and talking. We were in the mini residency together. And it was just like 13 years since I'd seen her. We started talking about caseloads again. What are you doing? What do you see? Um, and then it landed me on tethered structures, which I felt like I was crazy and seeing it all the time. But I think it's the same as the statistics for sleep disorder reading in children. Um, they're probably slightly off. It's just the more that we educate our communities, the more that we're going to recognize. And we need more metrics, right? So understanding what does that mean? Sleep studies, unfortunately, are challenging for children to perform in. So are we really misdiagnosing their symptoms? Um, how can we make this comfortable? And it's similar to what I tell my parents. I'm like, you have soft tissue concerns, which is why I have visuals on that. I'm like, look at the alignment of the tongue, the palate, the, the nasal cavity, the eustachian tubes, the adenoids, the tonsils, um, soft palate to tongue junction, uvula, uh, tonsils. But there's a lot of soft tissue occupancy there that we're just kind of like, oh yeah, it's there. Children do grow into their enlarged tonsil, but at what consequence in what rate? So I started to reflect on the things that I'm told um, from my medical colleagues, from my dental colleagues. Now I'm talking to a sleep surgeon, taking class from him. And it really helped to um, open my eyes to the fact that like I have a greater responsibility 
and there are more metrics that I could apply. Um, I joined ASAP Pathways, um, ladies whom I love and adore so deeply. They really helped me to understand more about what I was seeing and the resources, the um, literature sightings, and from there to talk about um, infrastructure. So I'm seeing bony skeletal changes as a consequence of low tongue posture. Um, and so what are, what are the ramifications of this? What, what are the growth tendencies? We talk about clockwise and counterclockwise facial growth patterns, if you look from the side. And I started to identify, oh yeah, that's that. And I feel like, you know, we did orthodontics in residency and I was pretty blessed to have a strong orthodontic background in my residency program. So it really helps me to correlate these uh, oral manifestations, the noxious of habit, their consequence, or even the why. Like, why are these kids like really diligent about thumb sucking? And you, you know how to measure it, you know, the intensity, the frequency, the duration. But some kids almost like you, you can't withdraw that without a strong suction recourse. Um, so I sympathize with parents. I was trying to understand what this is and not to hit too heavy, there's no shame, but trying to understand as a parent, they don't know so much. So what can I do to help them um, identify key features and put them in contact with um, proper referral sources so that they can, you know, you unlearn what you've been doing. And so much of this is from in utero. So thanks to persons like yourself, your podcast, and just the capacity to learn in modern times is extraordinary. Um, sometimes you, you're trying to decipher in what order do I work? In what order do I work? How soon should I share this with this family? I mean, depends how many struggles they're presenting with. Um, so I started to identify tongue ties and not shy away from conversation because uh, in a way, some of us do shy away because there is a lot of stigma surrounding it. Um, I think you've shared your experiences as well on this, but it does matter. I'm sure you have your own struggles within your own SLP community, but the more that we talk about this and probably more between colleagues, so it's across different fields, like normalizing these findings and trying to say, hey, what are you suggesting in the capacity and what was the benefit that you saw from that? Um, so I think in essence, you'll find, um, more interdisciplinary, um, contact and relations. And, um, that might be between pediatricians, pediatric dentists, ENT, um, SLP and OT in seeing newborns in their nursing struggles. I started to really understand a lot more about oral motor function. And that has been, um, gosh, just such an enormous blessing. I love working with new moms. I love it. You know, I'm still a mom, but the nursing chapter of my life was a glorious one. So if I can give back, um, I would be more than happy to give back. I love that. I love that. And I think you, you touched on so many amazing points, but I think to bring it full circle, you know, it goes back to that team approach and being able to work in a multidisciplinary way where we can even discuss among colleagues. Like I know we have shared patients and we can kind of talk to each other and say, hey, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Okay. Here's what you're seeing. Okay. What's next for this patient? Because that's like the age old question. That's what's coming up a lot. Right. We've seen a lot of parents who are more informed and more oh, yeah. with information. And a lot of them are now coming to me on social media, which is a totally different conversation than I would have had like when I started the podcast in 2019, you know, they're coming to me, they're saying, okay, I recognize this symptom and this symptom is this symptom. So I'm like, what do I do first? And I'm like, oh, this is such a great 
we're already seeing the evolution of a lot of this, you know, yeah. education that we're putting out there. Well, Peter's or Snoop here. Yeah. And it's, it's that's, you know, and I know not everybody is, right? We still get, of course, a lot of parents who are brand new to all of these conversations. And nobody is teaching parents this unless they seek it out or unless they stumble upon it on their own, usually, or unless they happen to fall into a provider's office like yours <laughs> or mine or similar, right. where we are educated and we are making an effort to educate. Uh, and so I think we still have a long ways to go, but I, I love that question of like, what's, what's first. And I think it's yes. so independent of, you know, it's based on the case, it's individualized. How does this child present? What are the family's goals for their child? What is it family capable of taking on right now? Because sometimes uh, it may not even be like what we ideally want the next step right. to be. be. What do they have energetically? What do they have timing wise? What do they have financially? Like, what are their capabilities and how can we best support them so the child still makes progress, still working towards optimal health? It may just look different than we originally thought or maybe another case. And, you know, and I think that's like I, I say, it's, it's an art and a science. And there's yeah. a between the art and the science of like navigating these journeys with families. And so I love that, you know, you you touched on a lot of this because it is so different, even though we may see the same symptoms present across various different kiddos, you know, the next step may be so very different. Um, and I like how you also touched upon how, you know, tongue ties were kind of like a, this taboo thing. And I, I don't know the actual numbers. I always say, oh, there's just like 50 people split in the SLP world. I'm just making that up. But yeah. there is this heavy split, especially when you go on social media and you see a lot of influencer accounts and Oh, yeah. information and everything. And, you know, it, it's also one of those topics where I like to spend time with families and, and talk about, well, how is it impacting your life? How is it impacting your child's life? And just like mm -hmm. with the child, you know, you brought that up, especially with your son, you know, you removed them, he improved dramatically. And then you asked the question of like, at what expense do we either like leave them in and let them grow into their tonsils or hope that they mm -hmm. decrease over time? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, for me, I'm always thinking of, okay, we know there's research now supports like early expansion and that can, you know, and then myofunctional therapy, whether it's slow or rapid, we can definitely see a improvement in those soft tissues and, you know, mm -hmm. or in other words, decreasing tonsils and adenoids, um, which I saw with my daughter. I didn't know at the time that was like a thing. And I think there's right. like, you know, earlier levels of research on that, but if a child is presenting in such a way that we're concerned about obstructive sleep apnea or, you know, their health is dramatically being impacted by it, then, you know, I always tell parents, I'm like, follow your gut. You do what feels best for you. Yeah. And parents know. Yeah. Know what their greater fire is. Like, oh, just even recordings like um, the Snore Lab app. You don't know. You're tired yourself as a parent at the end of the day. I don't know what my child's doing when they're asleep. I put them in the room and I don't go check. Well, rightfully so, because we never wake a sleeping baby, right? But then you're like, but there's some, there's some manifestation of something going on. So how can we gain metrics? And it's really about the metrics, um, the metrics surrounding sleep, the metrics surrounding audible sleep, um, noises, the apnea, moments of the gas, right? Um, seeing that some kids, I'm pretty confident, you know, myself my husband uh so the end journey the decades ahead trying to understand if i don't stop this now where will this progress to right 
And um, I mentioned to you before that when you graduate in dental school, you do a table clinic. And with Denise Hamlin, my classmate, we had done mandibular. With Denise Hamlin, my classmate, we had done um, obstructive, uh, obstructive sleep apnea and mandibular advancement appliances. Um, at the time, they kind of suggested, oh, that's not super relevant in dentistry. But honestly, everything changes and there's an evolution. So it was, it was what it was. I learned a lot from it. And then here it's like, God was saying, Hey, Karen, you're going to touch base on this again at a later part of your life. And so here I am full circle again. And I do have a lot of those questions being asked of me. Um, well, there's a lot of grinding at night. I would say most pediatric dentists are hearing that. Um, and we were taught it can be, um, stressors, um, anxieties. And sometimes I felt like, okay, but like, what anxiety is a child having at this point? And it made me think, it made me think, what does the research really mean about that? Because it's like, in a way, exhausting. And I felt silly. I have all these parents asking, asking, asking the same question. So then I started looking more. No, it is an early sign. Just like you shouldn't be hearing your children's story. So what should we look at? And parents are aware. Um, and they kind of already feel in your gut, like you're suggesting, what's the greater fire? So the timing to me is like, where are my ENT for pediatric? Um, even the pediatrician, like how can we kind of sit at a conference table together and understand like, where should you really start prioritizing and leaning in like, hey, ENT, I, I kindly ask of you to really think about removing these or let's start even earlier expansion methods because we're seeing a reduction in tonsor size. Now you're not gonna see a grade four, grade three um, touching the uvula, like I have a clear yeah. view into your airway. I often snap a little image of it so parents can see what is she talking about? I'm like, look, when you lie flaccid in paralysis of sleep, I was like, no wonder you're constantly advancing your mandible and grinding because they're all coming together upon one another and cutting it. So a lot of it is just visual um, cues for parents, giving them documentation, whether they take that to their medical providers or not, I'm not sure, but trying to get more and more visuals. And so that's become a big part of my practice for parents to understand both intra-oral for their child. What am I talking about? What am I showing you on your facial profile of growth? Um, even gummy smiles, which I have. And I've had a very long-standing habit myself as a child that we just didn't know enough about. But um, the research is there growing, and a lot of it is the emphasis between us. Um, I love my SLPMT community. I just feel like I might be burdening you guys a little bit, but um, I, well, I might. But, um, there's so much that I learned um, to lean into. And I always tell my parents, I am such an irreversible part of your equation. If you're coming to me for even skeletal growth modification or tongue tie, of course, tongue tie release is a lot more irreversible, right? And like you have got to condition this muscle group because that is actually the friend, the strength within the tone of all these back tonsor um, pharyngeal uh, muscle groups that are going to help you when you're asleep at night and everybody kind of gets a little lazy, you know, they too go to sleep. So like you have to string train everything the same as we talk about the rest of our bottle, our body muscle groups, right? These are the cohorts. I was like, but if these assessments I've also learned, like, they're going to look into your feeding, your drinking. Um, I was like, your your resting postures. I was like, I did the class. And I will tell you, 
And um, maybe it gives us a little ADHD incentives because we are really kind of like immediate result, right? I was like, I can tell you your cavities. I can tell you the tongue tie. And you give me about 30, 40 minutes and why not? You're done, right? And it was humbling for me to understand. Um, and I was a little antsy. I was like, you guys, it takes time. It takes time. And I, I have to put these parents in that format sooner because it takes time. Yeah. I love how you mentioned conditioning the muscle because, you know, in what other arena do we not do that, especially before right. a procedure? Like, you know, I talked about physical therapy. Yeah. You go for physical therapy before a hip replacement or a knee surgery or really any other <laughs> major type of surgery. And so while a tongue tie may be a quick release of tissue, it's still going to have an impact on the entire body. You know, I think a lot of the debate that surrounds tongue tie releases falls from individuals who have had bad experiences. And I want to say individuals, like yes. mother, infant, dyads, and patients and things because they were not educated on the need for pre-op, the need for post-op therapy. Um, you know, so for me, like you said, conditioning that muscle is so important because babies start swallowing about 12 and a half weeks in utero. They're born with this ball that they're going to have for life unless we intervene. And some babies are going to compensate better than others. And then that tends to snowball if they're not compensating well, or maybe they're okay feeders in infancy. And then that later turns into, you know, issues with swallowing or chewing or speech or airway. You know, we've got the jaws that are now shaping themselves around what the tongue is or isn't doing in the oral, you know, in the oral cavity. And um, I know we can talk about this all day long, but I just, I love the emphasis on the need to condition the muscles because after that release happens as well, we have to do that neuromuscular re-education. So that neuromuscular re-education essentially is, you know, it's not just important, it's mandatory. It's not something that we can say, oh, you know what, maybe I'll do it and maybe I won't. Because in some situations, right. the patient may be better off not even having the procedure. Yeah, going to do it properly because of the ramifications. Or now we've got this tongue that's quote unquote free, but it doesn't yes. have a function. And now it's been sitting in different ways. And now we're having struggles. Yeah, I mean, do you do you see? Do you get patients? Oh yeah, that, that yeah. In say this, but not to be intimidated by patients, right? I am my functional therapy takes a while, so that in itself is a, a time uh, gap between procedure. But I always say it's really the determinant of the procedure, right? Like with a myofunctional therapy, are you getting the functional um, component that you were missing before? Because you never find that muscle. So I'm like, you could present with a tether, but you know, some of them I've seen, they're soft, they're supple. I still get the tongue up to the palate doing clicks and clucks. I'm like, the chicken, you know, I feel like that really helps kids. But I'm like, if they say, hey, you're Heather, but we're hitting all the right metrics, then leave it alone. Leave it alone. You can address that later, the symptoms that present themselves later, right? I'm like, but you first have to learn how to use the muscle. And me being intimidated sometimes um, put me in the wrong spot. And I um, have now learned how to better assess as a provider what I should do when I should say, I'm so sorry, or um, how can we do this differently, right? So some of these things have been my own um, provider error in learning. And I think anybody who's provided this has gone through the same realization themselves. 
um, even a newborn, I will say, I'm like, in those first few days after, whoa, hang on a minute. Like, who's on your team? Who's your lactation counselor? I mean, did you just meet today? Um, so there's so much that needs to come in because it's very intimidating working on a newborn. They're so tiny and delicious as they are. I was like, uh, now I really need to understand what was the parent's history? Was there trauma involved? How much healing does the mom need to do to unwind her body, the fascia of her own body, the fascia of this baby who, you know, be it scary and or inevitable um, tension, right? So, so much of it is just letting them unwind, find their own dance partner together, and then who in the nursing capacity to get you going. I'm not qualified to determine milk supply. I'm not qualified to give you what um, skills you should use. I learned lactation so that I understand what should I be assessing for the feel of the suction um, during my assessments, um, oral motor function to reinforce with the parent. But now that I'm at that level, there's only so much that a pediatric dentist can do, right? And I stick to my, my metrics, my profession, and I deviate out to give enough information to support. When they discuss that in that realm of therapy or in this lactation, listen, listen intently because that's the same thing I want you to chive on, right? I want you to learn these things. And parents are going to be, I mean, so much more prepared than we were, right, Hallie? Like, I didn't know anything. And I studied to be a pediatric dentist. I thought I knew a lot. I've been with children my whole life. But once you have this vulnerable young baby and you're like, where's the milk gauge? I was like, there's no milk gauge. I think I literally said that to my pediatrician. I was like, I'm really because there's no middle age. I have no idea what I'm talking about. You asked me to count the wet, is it dirty? And I was like, my mind is just everywhere. I'm exhausted. Hormones. Oh, hormones can take a normally sane person and just wow, send them off kilter. So there's a lot of emotional component behind newborns that I've also learned to refrain. I'm like, give it a moment. Let's keep in communication. But who's on your team? And let's talk between us as well. There's so much to learn. It's really um, the interdisciplinary um, uh, committee, let's say, that these parents need. And that begins from newborn and it does carry through later. I'm used to referring between dental colleagues. And now I'm really used to now referring across the board with you guys as well. And it's brought me a lot of joy. My parents are happy. They're like, oh my gosh, you alleviated so much. I was like, oh, I, I'm so happy to have made that connection for you guys because I was doing you no good. It would still have consequence, even cavity risk, right? So cavity risk with a tongue tie. I was like, how crazy am I to have not seen it? They can't use the tongue to debride the surfaces of the teeth as they should have, or even just the blanket coverage of the lower teeth and this exposed upper teeth, right? You have lip tethers that are of significance. I also tell my parents, Try breathing with this amount of tension right here, your pupit's bow area. I was like, and then when you remove that, you really do feel a difference. I was like, there's a lot of tension. If I can't lift your upper lip, I was like, imagine all the muscle um, inactivity that's going on with that, you know, upper uh, lip area. There's just, there's much to learn. There's much to implement, but a lot of time out, um, educating parents, giving them resources, and then I can deliver something that's Pretty irreversible, right?
Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's incredible. I mean, you talked about like your vulnerabilities, which I think so many have. Oh yeah. So like we've all kind of been there, whether it's just professionally or it's also as a parent and having gone through this journey, like yes. you were the dentist, I was feeding the, you know, therapist, speech pathologist, having people, I know, <laughs> like it's, it's both humbling and, you know, it's almost life-saving because then we're able to turn it around yeah. and help others too. And I, mm-hmm. I love that you're doing this. I love that you're able to connect these dots for parents and connect them to helpful professionals and, you know, even just help them understand we don't want to rush into this. Like, unless we are 100% sure, which we never are, we need to in there and work with the tissue because that behavioral, you know, approach might say behavioral, I don't mean like a child misbehaving. I mean, behavioral therapy, meaning like the actual intervention. Right tissues, oral motor therapy, that kind of thing. Sometimes a tongue tie may present as a tongue tie. And then when we go in there and we address it, we actually realize there was so much tension being carried by the tongue for other mm-hmm. that The tongue, the frenum appears differently now and we don't actually need to release it. Like that does happen. Right. And, you know, and that's the yes. other thing I've been trying to like scream from the rooftops on social media is, you know, there's these posts where it's like everyone's butting heads over this, this tongue tie or lip tie topic. And you have like some, right. oh my gosh, it was life changing for me and my child. You have other parents going, oh, I was told to do it and I regret it. And then, you know, you ask them if they had surrounding therapy and they're like, what are you talking about? No, nobody told me I had to do that. Yeah. Or they'll say things like, oh, I was told by this person that, you know, my child had a tongue tie, but like we were feeding fine. They've never had any breathing, feeding right. sleep issues. And like, then your child didn't have a tongue tie because the definition of a mm-hmm. tongue tie requires that it's not just tight appearance or the appearance yeah. of it it's that in addition to the symptoms like you have to have a functional impact for it to truly be defined yeah. as a tongue tie or a lip tie or yeah. a tie and i just think that you know i don't expect parents to know that but i'm like that falls back i'm like okay now i'm seeing gaps in some of the conversations out there and i think when parents realize like okay maybe somebody missed it or maybe somebody overdiagnosed your child and you're mad feel however you feel, but let's have a conversation yes. so that we can do better as a profession and as, you know, collaborating professionals. Um, and I think that that growth that so many of us are willing to take on and to experience and that, that road that we've all gone down, it, it's commendable that, you know, you put all this time and money and energy into learning so many things during a time with so many unknowns and really just like significantly advancing your own specialty right and your patients are so yeah. for it you know it's it's exciting and we love collaborating with you so yeah. sometimes i think if i'd never changed it where would it be right where at what point would i have seen it and then um obviously me being a seeker of friends i'm always like okay where are my pediatric dental friends and how can we um, share this with one another and support one another. Like if I started this journey, how can I get you on this journey? Because the need is there. I'll argue the need is there. It's just, we need better metrics, um, on maybe a few caveats, right? So it's the metrics part of this next stage of my career, right? Like what can I identify? And going back to the tongue tie, um, it's a structural component, but what's the functional definition of it is that is that the volume that you need to relieve um, or just you carry on, you know, progressively? Um, so I think that the next part of my evolution is better metrics um, and a cohort of colleagues for that. So 
I'm at the beginning. Like okay. I said, it's um, a new journey. I always approach things with trepidation. I'll, I'll be honest. I measure, measure, measure. I, the carpentry maybe measures more and then executes. But I'm like, I really feel like slow and steady wins the race. And I need to understand there's so many different kinds of patients that I receive and parents and the emotional background of the parents or how much new information am I providing them versus like, oh, I came in kind of at this level. Um, I'm, I'm no longer a novice on this subject of hearing. Oh, I wanted to, um, you know, be able to meet all the needs, understand. And I'm excited to see, you know, five years from now, what's my five-year professional brand, right? Um, and then my 10-year. And then, I don't know, I've been doing this for a while, so I might be creeping towards retirement before I knew it. I was like, wow, that's extraordinary. You practice for so long and then you're like, you're not the addictive learning, helping. I'm like, do I really have to ever quit? You don't, you don't ever quit. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> no, I'm seeing, I'm seeing um, different individuals move out of practicing and then moving into like the in normal retirement age, but moving into educating. And, you know, working on yes. really passing that knowledge to the next generation of professionals who want to learn from, them, which I think is a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. And I think it's, you know, what oh, they look at it as like, you know, yes, there are people who are never going to teach, never want to teach. I'm not knocking that, but I came to a point even early on where I was like, there are so many gaps and no one's connecting. Yes. Pediatric feeding, you know, especially in the infant and toddler, like birth to three range, no one's connecting that mm -hmm. with. Airway. And when I say airway, I don't mean like, you know, pulmonology type, you know, yes, right. we work with pulmonologists and we do have kids with significant other types of airway diseases, disorders, and issues. I'm talking about like upper airway, I'm not talking about like the lower part of it. You know, I'm talking really about right. what we're seeing, what we're talking about here. And I'm like, we're connecting those dots that orofacial myofunctional disorders that these infants are born with, where they need to be treated through a feeding approach, a sensory oral motor feeding approach. You know, and then the tethered tissue, of course, that whole conversation too. And mm -hmm. and I kind of just went like, all right, I'm not bringing them like groundbreaking information that I've done the research on myself. I'm basically just creating a right. place where I pull it all together like nobody else has. And I teach it in a digestible way where they right. can actually take it back and use it in their practice on Monday. And like that, I'm like, exactly. We need more people like educating on topics, like, you know, not just that, but just any of these related mm -hmm. topics. And so I love, I get mm -hmm. so excited. Because I've seen this, like, I think three times in the past, like, I don't know, a couple of months of individuals who normally could have just gone straight into retirement and they mm -hmm. went into educating and, and basically took their practice to the next level in that regard. And I was like, oh, this is so good. So yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's extraordinary. I think, you know, there's always an introductory level, like when you graduated, when I graduated, and I'm very grateful for all my attending. But those decades of experience are um, monumental. I mean, they're gold. So to take a provider who has evolved and really pushed themselves in being able to say, okay, now the latter phase of my career is to revolutionize the way that the first decade they're practiced by said professionals, because I'm giving you my experience. I'm sharing through my lens so that you, A, don't make the mistakes I made. You're not not seeing the things you should be seeing. And then you're learning not to just work with yourself. You're not the doer and capable of all things. 
And what aren't you seeing that you need an outside influence for? So I think um, some parents will say it's more holistic. I, I guess so, but that's its own definition within dentistry that maybe holistic, but I definitely enjoy this facet of my professional life. Um, I'm excited. I, my kids have learned so much, by the way. Sometimes I'm like, who's going to be a pediatric dentist? Which none of them are jumping to the table. I think I work too much. But I'm always like, but you're learning so much. And they'll tell me, they're like, so-and-so like has his mouth open all the time. I'm like, I'm chin up, butter up, you know? But I'm like, there are things that we also mimic the behavior. Like, what are our parents doing? And then we're mimicking that posture. So it's like, oh yeah, your son's doing it because look at this. And that, that mimicry component to evolution, right? I was like, I'm seeing so much. Oh man, I wish I could go back to that college version of evolution and understand it from this perspective as well. Right. And biology. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just so much of our in utero gestational growth and development. I mean, when you're not even sure you're pregnant, right? You've already got primary and secondary palates. Like, that's crazy. And you had not a clue you're even expecting. And and how does that change along the course? And this is all without your influence. You can't modify it. It's genetics, right? It's behavioral parts of your gene expression. And um, you have to wait. You have to wait until the birth process to understand now how do I rehabilitate this baby moving forward? But um, yeah, it's exciting. I'm thankful. And I'm really so grateful to have met you. I owe an enormous amount of gratitude to Jennifer Tipograph, a dear friend of mine. And having put us in touch, um, it was a hard time in my life. I had, I had way too much on me, Hallie. But um, I listened to you guys. I listened. I took on. There was a, a dental hygienist on board with that. And it was nice to hear that and reflect back on it. Um, I went to Manny Kim's lecture um, also with the Alpha uh, Omega Study Club here in Bethesda. And it really afforded me a lot of insight and to understand um, fascia fascia, 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 and um, that intricate nature, because we always think about, you know, uh, arterial venous and nervous system, um, but we're not really taught that fascia into how that interconnection, aside from dissection, right? We get like, here's a fascia, but duh, like how did one fascia lend to the other? The muscle bundles work cohesively now, but there's just so much to learn. I'm excited. And um, maybe I've become a CE junkie for things you could do. <laughs> right. It's, it's a side effect that we all kind of fall into, especially in this space. Like, like we're just like, more, please tell us more. Or like, what, what else you got for us? But I love that. And, you know, I, it's funny because I think yeah. I'm like hungry. <laughs> the photo, I think we're yeah. club when we met with um, Felix Liao. Was it when he came and joined us? With his, we talked yeah. No, it's different. I wasn't at that one. Okay. Oh no, I was. Um, I was commuting Kent Island, and I think I told Jennifer like it's just not feasible for me. Um, but um, Jennifer and I still remain in contact on a lot of issues, and she really is just such a brilliant mind and so courageous. Um, and I, you know, I think she and Kim are creating extraordinary, healthy environments for children. Um, all of which traditional dentists can learn from. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I was, yeah, I was just saying we, um, a photo like circled up from that particular like book club recently when we were uh, sitting around the table with Felix. Uh -huh. I was like, I remember because that was also at her kitchen table, which, you know, like she and I kind of like shifted on and off who was like hosting these, these things at her kitchen table. 
Um, and but I remember you. I remember meeting you there, and you know, and I, it wasn't. It's like it was a while ago, but it wasn't a while ago. Do you know what I mean? Like you have come like oh. so far, and it may feel like a long time. Oh, yeah, it's really the amount of information and how you've adapted and changed, like your approach and your practice, and the way you're seeing things differently, and even referring, and you know, all the things. In addition to everything yeah. you already were doing and that you do in your office as a pediatric dentist, you know, I have to tell you, it's to me, but it's amazing it's incredible like I pat yourself because I think you you know it's almost like you know I think we are the hardest like on ourselves like we downplay things like oh my god two years ago and here we are but you did it you know and you're telling me patients are better I love that and you love collaborating yeah I'm willing right yeah yeah oh thank you so much coming to you that's enormous compliment well, this has been amazing. Is there, I know we've touched on like so many different things, but is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you want to share before we start to wrap up? No, I think I'm good. I think it's uh, maybe too much, right? You can keep going and going and going into different facets, but um, you no, know, I'm satisfied, you know? So, how can they find you? I, I, I yeah, if they want to find you in your practice, where are you? So share with them how to find you. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, my practice is located um, in Chevy Chase, Maryland. And um, yes, it's chevychasekids.dentist. Um, yeah, I try to put a lot more information there. There's a whole gamut of stuff that's coming. It's just, you know, the behind the scenes work before you launch it onto your webpage. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm happy. Um, I look forward to the growth and maybe more like-minded associate potentials. Um, I think that the more that we uh, grow as a specialty and uh, our kids are going to be better off for it, the community and, you know, it resonates with even social media. My friends circle back in St. Louis and in Kansas City where I studied, I was like, you got to get on it, guys. You got to get on it and be on the same page and we can all meet up and like feel good about what we've taken our careers and created for oral health awareness, you know? Love that. Well, this has been amazing. I know that you and I could like talk all day long about these things, but thank you so much for joining me today. I love that. No, thank you. And I hope you, you know, yeah. absorb more patients into your practice in the Chevy Chase area. Thank you so much, Hallie. Thanks for doing this. You are doing really great things, Hallie. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to the untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. 